Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm part of the odd impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. So the plot twist comedy tour is going to continue. A few weeks ago, we went to Devon to visit the wonderful David Earl. And this week, we're going down south. We're going down to Brighton, down to the seaside for a chat with his comedy partner, the brilliant Joe Wilkinson. Now, most of you will know Joe from 8 Out of 10 Cats, Cats Does Countdown with Jimmy and the Gang, playing that sort of version of himself or just that character who's a bit disheveled, the bushy beard, the brown jackets and the tie, that sort of local chap who's just a bit weird. And there's so much more he's done in sitcoms like The Cockfields, which he created, starring opposite Diane Morgan and Bobby Ball. Rovers as well with David Earl that's on Sky. And now, obviously, The Postman and Afterlife, we all know about that role. Even in Derek, playing Kev's brother, he's worked with the top tier of British comedy with Ricky Gervais and, and so many more. Stand-up tours, writing, even podcasting. You think of Chatterbix and Gossip Mongers. He's done so much. But actually... He hasn't really done that many one-on-one -on -one interviews. So I was kind of intrigued to work out who is the real Joe Wilkinson? Who am I going to get here? And as soon as he walked in the door, he was immediately friendly. We were just, just chatting about life. And to be honest, it kind of just rambled on from there. Quite knackered at the moment. <laughs> um, I am working. I'm not just on holiday, but like it's... it's oh, you a... do loads. Well, trying to get too many projects <laughs> off the ground is different to too many projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I can relate to that. Yeah. Are we, um, are we going? Are we? Oh, we are going. Oh, we're oh, off. Well. Sorry. Oh, let's carry on then, shall edit we? Edit that yeah. out. That was very dull. <laughs> I'm knackered, he says. Mm. Um, yeah, we're in Brighton. Know. You're neck of the woods. Yes. Pop yeah. down. Yeah, thanks for coming down. Sorry. No, I appreciate it. No, it's all, all good. It's all good. I was thinking, though, you know, Brighton would be a good place to to people watch in your world to like find good comedy characters. There's a good eclectic mix yeah. of people here. Yes, there is an eclectic mix is a good way of putting it. A bit quirky. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, we've got a beach hut. So me and my other half sometimes sit there and watch the world go by and there's all sorts. <laughs> Very stunning people here. Lots of stunning, wonderful people. But yeah, it's nice to watch. Uh, just watching people is probably my favorite thing. It's what me and my mum used to do together. Still do a bit, but not like we used to sort of go up to, if we were going up to, to London or whatever, we'd sit in, we'd find a cafe like in Leicester Square or mm. somewhere and overlook the square and just watch people for hours. And it's definitely not making fun of people. It's just, I find it fascinating just interactions with people, even with each other, when you, even when you can't hear what they're saying, mm. you go, oh, he's got a problem with her. <laughs> Or they've had a Barney, or they're in love. Or do you ever play the game where you try and guess what they're called and what they do for a profession? Oh no, I haven't done that. <laughs> right, here's Sandra. <laughs> I think the, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm the, I think I've done profession one. I've never thought about doing the name one. I think I'd end up having to follow them and ask, <laughs> yeah. see if I've got the answer yeah. right. But sometimes it's quite nice. You see someone walking through Leicester Square or wherever. And you see someone else, and you go, oh, I think they're meeting them. 
don't know why. It looked like they might hang out. Just got a vibe. And then they do, and you go, God, I can read people. <laughs> <It's Psychic. incredible>. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened once. So I, don't know, I said it like it happened all the time. <laughs> do, you, do you ever do that and actually think in, in a comedy sense in terms of trying to identify things that for a character, for example? Uh, yeah, grubbly, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you do sort of, if you write, sort of like sitcom or whatever long form stuff you do sometimes there was a guy at the airport who the other day we we had a few days away and there was a bloke and i loved him he was just over helpful but it was a problem he had rather than it was like a, a useful thing because he would he'd just get involved mm. like there was a there was an older lady who i think was walking with a stick and he kind of sort of led her to the front and she was very unwilling to be led to the front and stuff. <laughs> and he was like, it was like he worked there and, but he also obviously was a nice man and, and, uh, he, I was quite tired and he was wanting to talk to everyone. You know, he, he was finding ways to kind of talk with everyone. So we spoke to him for a bit and then he sort of lost interest in us, thankfully. <laughs> and he went on to someone else and I like, I, I just watched him for ages and I was like, he's incredible. And and I think those are people you go, I want oh, such a tossy way to say it, but you go, I wouldn't have thought of coming up with that. Yeah, Someone that's true who's, though. It's who's a different like, perspective, uh, isn't it? Who's just really, really helpful, but but it's his it's his downfall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he just Maybe he just, he's lonely. Was with his wife and kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and I was like, his wife was <laughs> sort of fine with it and was probably a bit like him, but not to the extreme. And uh, and the, the child was probably maybe four, and I, I I have to admit, I was going, "What's your life going to be like? Like, it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be like, you know, like horrible, but it's going to be intense. You know, he won't know any different. You know, but when he's like in his forties, like me or whatever, and he'll look back and go, God, my dad was helpful, wasn't he? But I was, it's probably over helpful looking back. But is he going to follow suit, or is he going to go the opposite <laughs> direction? That's, oh, the that's thing. interesting. Depends how aware he, like how self-aware he is, I guess. Because sometimes, you know, you notice your own behavior. Well, I, I, well, no one knows how aware they are of their own behavior, but sometimes you sort of catch yourself doing something that yeah. one of your relatives does, and you're like, right, I need to have that knocked out of me. Yeah. My parents are both lovely, but obviously that doesn't mean that they're not balmy in their own way. human. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All human. I'm, yeah. wonder, I'm wondering, we, none of us see our own flaws, do we? So it's really, I get really scared sometimes because I go, I don't know how I'm really annoying. Well, my missus does so. <laughs> Keeps in check. <laughs> to be fair, she, she'll point it out quite a lot. So I think I'll be fine, actually. I've got, I have it written down for me. Um, but you, do you know what I mean, though? You yeah, sort yeah, of go, yeah, yeah. oh, right. Yeah. I irritate people in that way. I just don't know. God, it's funny though, so when you watch these sitcoms and you see these characters, it's like, no, these people do exist. They are out there. Yeah. It's, they're definitely there. A good thing that I get reminded of sometimes is, you know, when you meet someone, because I, I, some, you know, I, I've, I've written with like um, David Earl, who's brilliant. And, Love David. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. Oh, he's been on the pod, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We went down to Devon. Yeah. Oh, yes, you yeah, did, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. That's amazing, travel. Thank, thank you. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you sort of like, we have to sort of, remember to push things a bit further than you sometimes feel like you should with a character or sometimes. 
or plot or something like that. And then you meet someone who's really extreme and you go, oh, no, no, you can't because they do exist. Everyone's, yeah. not everyone's a sort of at 50%. Some people are like 150% and are, are really out there. And it's a nice reminder. You go, oh, no, you can, there are, you can have a character who's really extreme. Mm. It's a nice little reminder. We've got this uh, landlord back home. And he's just this, he's got this really distinctive voice with a lisp. <laughs> and then you order anything at his pub, like a cider, you go, okay, God bless, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in the garden the other day. And I was like, oh, John, how are you doing? How are you getting on? He's like pottering around in his garden. And he said, oh, you know, it's like taking time. He said, well, you know, rain wasn't built on a day, but of course we didn't supply the bricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. He was writing it down in front of him. <laughs> yeah. So like, these people are out there. The, yeah. the, I read David Contick's book, which is called something like how to write everything and he said uh i'm sorry if i misquote you something like people because they don't see their flaws they don't if you write about them they won't see it and to the point where he he wrote a character who was again i'm sorry if i'm getting this slightly wrong but he wrote a character based on his friend's dad and his dad had a saying like like that and when it the show came out, his, apparently his friend's dad said, rather than going, that's based on me, he said, I told you people say that. And then that's when he realised that you can write about anyone you know because they won't see that's them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's quite, interesting lens, actually. So yeah. it kind of um, it liberates you to be worse and mine from people you meet. Yeah, I guess you. I, guess I, you. I think I'm an arsehole. <laughs> I'm finding out how I'm annoyed. <laughs> I want to talk to you about some comedy characters because I know you love some of the classic sitcoms. But mm. before we do, let's let's delve into a plot twist question. Let's go into the first oh, one. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, that's what the podcast is about, right? Sure. I, I um, haven't planned anything. I'm sorry. No, it's Was all I good. To? I don't no, know. not at all. Okay. No, good. no. Let it, be, let it be authentic and natural. <laughs> oh, <right>? thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we look at um, plot twist moments in our lives that there can be that sort of standout moment where our own story can change a little bit. Okay. Is there a moment in your life where you can pinpoint? There's a kind of professional moment where everything changed and that obviously changed my life because I could do comedy for a living, do it rather than do two like office job and comedy. You know what I mean? Like I could take the leap because I started comedy late, I guess. Late 20s, weren't you? Like 29, 30. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so quite late. So I'd, I'd sort of uh, I'd sort of bedded into like office life and stuff like that. And uh, and so I started trying, I just tried constantly doing some stand-up and all this stuff. And then that kind of um, got more regular and stuff. And then, but well, I wasn't earning any money, like, like, I didn't really earn money for a very long time. You didn't have the love? No, no, no. I was, I, <laughs> I was doing it for the money. I just wasn't getting it. Um, no, yeah, it was. I was really enjoying it. And um, I basically wasn't earning any money, as I say. And then um, I started doing Edinburgh festivals and stuff like that, but still working in my office shops, so taking it for like holidays and stuff. And then... Um, the what what happened was is I am a huge admirer of and was at the time a sketch group called the Cowards, which had four very talented comedians in there. 
basically. And one of them is Stefan Golanewski. And I was a huge admirer of, of these guys. And he was up in Edinburgh and, and I ended up having a drink with him. And uh, he, I was, you know, kind of a bit starstruck. But even though they hadn't done telly or anything, I was, you know, I'd seen them at Edinburgh mm. for, before and they were just like the pinnacle, really. And uh, I uh, was speaking to Stefan and he said uh, that he'd just been commissioned to write a sitcom. And I remember, I'm going to be totally honest, I remember being wildly jealous, <laughs> which I now, if, I, if I'm if i jealous of something like that, I tell someone now because I think it's sort of a compliment. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, then you sort of take your own ego out of it and go, oh, bloody, that's amazing. I wish I was doing that. And then you go, oh, that's amazing because you're, you know, really talented and deserve it or whatever. And so I was talking to him about that and I remember just, he was like, he's a really humble guy and he sort of didn't really want to talk about it, not because he's like none of your business more like because he was like a nice humble guy and didn't want to talk about himself and then i was just it sort of stuck in my head because i was like oh that's cool anyway like a few months later i was asked to audition for that sitcom and i ended up getting the part and then found out later that he'd uh he'd seen me in edinburgh i didn't even know he'd come and see me see me whatever you know whatever two star show i was doing at the time and uh, he'd uh, written the part with me in mind, but he hadn't told me this and he hadn't told anyone this, but, and I hadn't done the character. I hadn't done it in the show or anything. And I, I kind of came up with the character sort of separate to Stefan writing it. And I got the part and then everything stemmed from there because. Was that him and her? Him and her. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just, and I, I know people, like people always when I I do really mean this but you need a huge bit of luck and people go oh you make your own luck and I do agree with that but there's a lot you do need right place right time yeah you do you do and I do think about it quite a lot I was like oh if if Stefan hadn't got that commission I'd be in a really different position with my work and my life basically I wouldn't I wouldn't be as lucky as I'm now as in doing Stuff I'm doing with David. Like, doing everything, mate. Yeah, doing the stuff with, you know, podcasts and living in Brighton and all of that stuff all stems from from that moment. I'm really thankful to Stefan. And yeah, that that was the moment where, because then stuff come off the back of it. And this is, I understand this, but the industry is like, like, because everyone's humans. They're not, you know, they, they, they don't know, no one knows everything. So they sort of see you in something and they go, oh, maybe we can use him then. You know what I mean? And before they go, we well, haven't done anything. Mm. So I don't know if, I, you know, he might be tossed, you know, he might be rubbish. <laughs> so you get a chance and then people go, oh, right, now we can use it. And so it, it, it snowballs, but, and then they, then they go, oh, he can do that or, or he's not bad at that or whatever. But that wouldn't have happened. So I, I end up having a lot of opportunities off the back of Stefan. And it did help that. I was in a sitcom by one of the best writers of his generation. <laughs> so that was handy. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and he went on to win BAFTAs and everything and, and do even more brilliant work. But I just got onto his coattails. Probably basically. helped. Did help yeah. a lot. But, you know, I was, a, I was so lucky. And, and uh, yeah, and then, as I say, that was, that was my bit of a turning point for me. Rewinding a little bit to that first gig. My first stand-up, you mean? Yeah. What, what, what was the sort of decision-making to think, do you know what, I'm going to give this a go? I'm always fascinated why a comedian then that commitment to doing it. Um, it's quite a big step. It's a really big step. I, I, Football and comedy, the two things I sort of were 
really passionate about, and I'm not. I'm I'm half decent at football. I'm not rubbish. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Five aside, I'm probably fourth best on a on a Monday. But you know, obviously behind Sammy. He's still in it. Yeah, still play behind Adams. Probably the best. Sammy's second best. Hell of a defender. And I say one of the mats probably. Yeah, probably fifth. Probably fifth. <laughs> um, but like, uh, I really. Um, Really love comedy, and I was getting. I think you know, getting towards third, knocking towards thirty. I thought, oh, like I, I don't know what it was really. I just wanted to do, try doing. So I was always sort of write. I didn't, I didn't realise I was writing, but but my brain was thinking about comedy, mm. which is sort of writing really. Right, people think right. I it's a story out there. Yeah, and like people sort of think writing is writing stuff down. It's not. It's like thinking. I think you know, like like mulling over and. And and I was writing stuff down, but that was where my brain was, sort of, I guess, was going. And then I just thought, I'll do a stand-up. I've, I've said this before. It's probably, if anyone's ever heard me, it's probably bored of this bit. But I just did it as like a bungee jump, you know what I mean? I was like, I could do one one stand-up gig and I've done it. I won't tell anyone. I probably won't tell anyone ever, but I'll have done it. And then I can, you know, I don't know, I've done it and that's it. And I did it and it was flipping terrifying. I, I walked out, I, I was sick on the way to the gig a couple of times. I was so oh, nervous. Jesus. It was at Ballum, Bedford Arms in Ballum, a guy called Ed Balls who sadly passed away ran this. Any, I, I love Ed and I'm everything, but he ran a shocking gig at times. And uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a up and down gig on a Tuesday night. And uh, I went, remember I come out of the, I lived two tubes away and I got the tube up to Ballum and I, come out the tube and you can see the Bedford Arms at the bottom of the road and I I was like I don't want to do this and I said I said to myself if no one texts me I was quite because it's probably like 19 years ago so phones weren't that new accessible yeah yeah the, the, every, I was quite late to having so sort of everyone had them but we don't use them like now so you so weren't like you weren't 8610 or something one it was of those. a big yeah. old great thing but <laughs> we weren't texting like we are now or whatsapp or whatever and so I said to myself, if no one, this is, I don't know why I said this, but in my head, if no one texts me from the tube to the station, I won't do it. That doesn't make any sense, but that's what I said. It's superstition, myself. isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it was just stupidity, really. So I've got like a 400 metre walk. And if in that time, no one texts me, I'll just go home. And I've got three quarters of the way down and my friend Crystal texts me. Because I work with Crystal, real name Nikki, call her Crystal. <laughs> she uh, she texts me and said some old bollocks about work <laughs> <laughs> or something. It would have been it wouldn't have been about work. We never text about work. It'd be some nonsense. And she sealed your fate. She sealed my fate. I, I don't know if I told that, but um, and and I did the gig and uh, Steve Hall was there because uh, I'd been watching that gig for a year and I'd seen loads of people come through and everyone. Like I don't mean, but the, the open mic circuit is is a mixed bag, and everyone who I saw, who I thought was good, has gone on to be, you know, don't do well yeah, in one yeah. way or the because they still stand out. Anyway, so I went on. And Steve Hall was on, and he was like the headliner, and he said uh, afterwards because I don't remember anything at all. It was like a blank. <laughs> and Steve Hall afterwards said uh, he said you got one bit in there and. Uh, and he's a very lovely man, so he wasn't being a dick, he was being lovely. He said, you've got one bit in now, and buy this vibrating watch thing. Sorry, that was my watch going at that exact moment. <laughs> um, uh, it's incredible. 
the chance of it yeah. buzzing at that point. <laughs> Yeah. It might just sound you put that in afterwards, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. it didn't. Um, and uh, he said, get a vibrating watch, and uh, you got one bit in there. And I was like, I don't know what either of those things mean. And then there a guy called Tin and Dweeb, who was a new actor. Tin and Dweeb? Tin and Dweeb. Dweeb, Dweeb, I still, I've known him 20 years, I can't say his surname. Um, lovely man. He was a new actor as well, and he said... He'd probably been going like four weeks longer than me or four months longer than me. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm starting a gig. Do you want to do it? I was like, all right. And that was like seven months away or something. And so he put me, that's why, that's why I did another one, basically. So I hadn't planned to do another one, but he said, oh, do you want to do another one? So I sort of said in the uh, euphoric state I was having, because I'd sort of, done it mm. i agreed to do it but that was like months and months away so i did another one and then um i remember that really clearly that was in um angel and go well none of them went well at all like not i'm not just saying that there was like there was nothing like that i had nothing like i was i'd written stuff but it was all nothing nothing worked and i was just because i some people had like had some experience of like talking in public and stuff like that. I hadn't, so I had to get over all that. Yeah, so yeah. some people just sort of, a lot of people in the open mic sort of do all right. Cause they're maybe they're teachers or something. So they used to stand in front of people or I had to sort of get over all that. That's terrifying. Yeah. It was yeah. Really, so, but I had to get over the sort of crippling fear, which is sort of still there really, but then learn how to sort of hide that fear and all these sort of things that some people so so like i remember getting the first ever laugh and that was way into <laughs> like i don't know why i carried on but you must have had something though in it to then think i'm going to get to that next gig and keep going with it it must have been um, something to come away from it's like quite thrilling you know like it's a also let you into a little secret the the reason a lot of reason people don't do it is because they're so scared of the first mm one so that kind of filters out a lot of people but i'd say to people like it's you're going to be really scared but like even if you just stand up and count to 10 up there or something you'll sort of break that seal mm. and it won't be as scary so the sort of fear goes you think oh, i might try that again because i there's something in me a lot i really like the idea of having written something that that makes people like i still think that's the thing i like is like oh that that's still quite thrilling sort of I like the idea. Oh, of, it must be such a buzz. You write something in your bedroom or your office or whatever, and then it either goes on telly or or you do it in a club or something and people laugh. I still find that sort of quite amazing that that's it. That's the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, even uh, doing like a sitcom. Yeah. Well, yeah that, that feels right. I mean, yeah, well, they're a pisser to do that. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 they take bloody ages. But um, so, yeah, I, I guess I liked the idea of sort of like, getting it to work and stuff and then yeah i just kept going really was that the answer felt way too long no it was good it was good <laughs> i've got uh a few random questions for sure. no, they're not random it's just no, things i, I want to ask you and, go on of course you know i asked the first one to david <clears throat> sure so i'm gonna tell you what he said right oh, i'll God. just um this is the same sort of setup right right you're in a lifeboat I'm in a lifeboat. What the hell am i doing there you've you're, okay. you're ship <laughs> it's <laughs> very unlikely <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm yeah. out the house. Yeah. Been, you're okay. out the house. That's you're in a lifeboat. Your ship is uh, is sinking, and in the water is David Earl and Ricky Chavez, <laughs> and you can only say one of them. Uh, David's like, probably... oh, I do the podcast with you, and Ricky's like, oh, I've paid you a lot of money, and I'll probably just keep the 
lifeboat to Brazil. <laughs> probably, uh, probably just keep my suitcase on the other seat. I think, if I'm honest, <laughs> I just bought a new suitcase. I'm not chucking that in the sea. Right, well, no, you don't want to chuck that. No, I couldn't choose between them, so I'd have to let them both drown. <laughs> and that, and I'd, uh, I'd feel awful about it, but I guess I'd have to. What did, what did David say? <laughs> His first thing was, well, Ricky's had a good life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Actually, yeah. What, could I put them out of their misery? So if I've got a spade... with the suitcase. If I've got a spade in there, can I, so they don't drown, because drowning's horrible. If I'm going to let them both go, go. Yeah. I'll clonk them both unconscious. <laughs> Which is uh, it's merciful, isn't it? <laughs> I, do you know what? I'd, yeah, I'm going to say that, but in reality, I wouldn't leave the house and be in a lifeboat. So, no. Um, um, I'm sorry I killed them both, but I was, you know, was under duress. Needs must. God, I've murdered them. Can't work. Sorry about that. That'd be a hell of a story. <laughs> well, that would make the papers. <laughs> yeah. Well, There's a documentary for that. I'd feel bad if they didn't mention David. It just says Ricky Gervais <laughs> killed at sea <laughs> and co-star. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even use his name. Oh, gosh. So we said you play a lot of five-a-side. You've been doing that for years, haven't you? Uh, I got back into it a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. um, I saw a... Uh, it's all my fault we've got back into five side because I was walking through the park and there was some, I was going to say old boys, but that's not fair, but old, like probably like 15 years older than me. <laughs> I always think old boys, and go, they're not, I'm not far behind them. And they were playing football, like a, a kind of, um, it wasn't walking football, but there was like, they were of a similar age. So hmm. they were playing at their pace. And I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So yeah. I sent around a message to some friends and everyone a similar age was like, yeah, and play for years, and everyone got back immediately. It was like, yeah, let's let's do that, and then probably been going a couple of years now, and it's the same lads every week, and yeah, oh, so it. yeah, so much. We fun. played eleven aside a couple of days ago. That's a different beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not want to talk about More that. Round to cover. Awful. Oh yeah, I'm well out of my depth. <laughs> I uh, we did. I tell you, we did an episode of Chatterbix where I do this thing called Where's Joe Now, where I just sort of appear somewhere and and. Uh, you know, show David round, and I was playing a uh, five-a-side at the uh, Amex, the oh, Brighton yeah, 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 yeah. ground. I saw some bits on Twitter. Actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'm showing David round, and he's like, "Oh God, you're playing a tournament," and blah blah blah. And uh, I had a I had a very big down that day <laughs> <laughs> because I was a like a realization of my age. I know my age, but I don't really let it sink in. It's and a that, bit of a dream, though, isn't it? You're at the Amex. Oh, it's, ama it's amazing. Pitch. But there was all sorts of ages and abilities there. Oh, okay. And I was very much at the top end of the age bracket. And we took a hell of a battery. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the game very much passed me by. <laughs> and I had a big low on the pod. I had a very big low. Dave, so, so David was what my other half, Petra, was holding the phone up. Mm. Because I speak to David on the phone while we're podding. And, and she was... Um, Hold like showing him the game and stuff, and and he was sort of sort of making fun of me a bit, but like not not horribly, but just sort of. Uh, and it came off, and he was like, "How was that?" Sort of thinking I was like going to go, oh, "I was just playing at the Amex," and I was like, "Mate, I'm just I don't think I'm going to play anymore." It's like, <laughs> it's like the whole thing's just oh, I don't know. I didn't touch the ball and just I thought you hate, mate. Tough old and, I, and I feel it. And he was like, oh, wow, I didn't think it would go this way. <laughs> I hit a real low. And then he was laughing because he goes, you've hit your your absolute low in the middle of one of the premiership's loveliest grounds. And yeah. I was like, yeah, 
this, I was on the pitch at the Amex, just feeling really low. <laughs> <laughs> so that was depressing. So that's coming out in a couple of weeks. That'd be fun. If you had to, if you have to ditch your five-a-side team and get a few celebrity pals in. What, to who, play football? Who's playing in your top five? Well, I know who's decent. Okay. Because I've played with a few. And uh, I'll tell you who's decent. Tim Key's a decent player. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Noel Fielding's meant to be a good footballer. I would not have pictured no, that. No, no. Both of them I wouldn't have pictured. But apparently Noel's decent. Uh, Russell Howard's a good player. And, okay. But apparently, the, i tell you this, uh, Tom Rosenthal's meant to be very, very good, which is, uh, I was a bit surprised at. But um, Steve Williams, he's a writer for Russell Howard. And he's a big Welsh guy. And we used to play on a Tuesday and he's got a lovely touch. <laughs> <laughs> lovely touch. And he doesn't. If you're listening, Steve, I'm sorry, but I it blew my mind you were that good. Because on, on paper, he didn't look like he'd have it. Yeah. But my word. He he held his ability back in the games. You know what I mean? He was yeah. like, he's that good. He was like, I'm not going to take the piss out of these people. I'll just... And I sort of noticed he'd do like one little trick a game and then... Just, just a little be, glimpse. Yeah, a little yeah, gen- and then yeah. just be generous. And I was like, I'd be tearing these people to bits if I had your <laughs> ability. <laughs> I'm not generous like you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, he was superb. So there's some good footballers out there. Now, a lot of people love you for Countdown and 8 out of 10 oh, Cats. Nice. And there's so many like funny experiences. I mean, like things like Rectum of the Year and Karen in a Box and all. Oh, yes, yes. What, yeah. what are your sort of fondest memories or experiences? Well, I got to meet and work with one of my heroes in Sean Locke, basically. And he had the best, the funniest brain I've ever worked with. He had like... I mean, it's a cover. He was so good, like sort of sixty percent of the people didn't get it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It was like forty percent of people who would just go, "That's obviously the funniest thing that's going to be said this year," basically. And some people were going, "I know what you're on about." And it was like he just made the bar higher, basically. Yeah. And I still, th- I still think I try and put the pressure on myself to go. Would you say that in front of Sean Locke, basically? Is that good enough for Sean to hear? I still, if I'm feeling lazy, I don't do that. <laughs> if I'm talking, you know, if I'm doing something like Cats or whatever, mm. Countdown or whatever, I go, oh, well, could I do that in front of Sean? And that, that's what I try and do. It's a good bar. It's the, it's an impossible bar, really, because <laughs> it's never going to be as good as it. I, I, I mean, like, there's a lot of brilliant comedians, but I'd say, like, we couldn't really compare ourselves to Sean because it's like, it's pointless really because he was better than everyone else. So just compare yourself to everyone else. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to kind of gauge where you are, don't go, oh, I'm not, I'm not as good as Sean. You go, well, it's fine. That's, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not meant to be as good as Sean. So that was a, that was a thriller. And, and now I'm really lucky because I, I get to work with lots of people that I've sort of, Started with, you know, a lot of my friends do mm. it. Uh, David O'Doherty does it a lot, who, I, you know, I'm really good friends with. And John is a really good friend. And so uh, Roisin Connerty does it a like, lot, who I started oh, I with, her. who she's amazing. And like, and we did it a couple of days ago and I was, I was with her and, you know, we she used to run this little bizarre little gig in, um, just down for Victoria, mm. around where all the um, government buildings are. And she used to have this, she used to work for the some government department and she used to do like a, fortnightly gig on a Wednesday or something and it was underground by about three levels in in the, underneath this government building and it was a bar 
under the ground mm. and people could still smoke in it for some reason. It was so dangerous and weird <laughs> and and just shouldn't work. And we used to do it all the time. She ran it. And if you know Roshan, she's quite disorganized. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes there'd be like 800 people in there and sometimes there'd be like four. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just... You know, she was just so brilliant. So she's doing so. So that's sometimes I go, Oh Christ, we'll start together. This is weird. And like, full little, circle, yeah. Little crappy yeah. pubs or whatever. And so that's nice. And yeah, I, I love the outtake you've got with her and David in Afterlife. Oh, yeah, where well, yeah. David keeps saying about pushing his willy up his bottom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just keeps getting you. <laughs> yeah, was, that was those, those are fun to watch, but they're horrendous in the moment. They yeah. really are because you're holding everyone up. There's a boom person holding a mic that's quite heavy and there's camera <laughs> cameras shaking. are heavy you know yeah we we were mucking about on me and david did a sitcom years ago called rovers with craig oh, Sky, yeah yeah, it's yeah. A re really interesting time and uh we were sort of giggling like that and uh a camera guy who lovely lovely man who craig works with all the time he just gave us the camera to hold <laughs> we stopped gigging after yeah, that yeah he was like oh that's heavy yeah yeah sorry get on with it um but yeah sort of put us in our place in the nicest possible way but they're, they're torture when you're doing it because you just go flipping it over almost get home i was um i was talking to david about those experiences on set and also like the effect of something like afterlife where it is this huge hit in mm. the uk but worldwide as well yeah and i was saying how's that been for him and he said well you know i think he's playing it down i mean he's like yourself mm. very humble but um he was saying you get stopped quite a lot uh yeah a bit yeah yeah he does as well he always says he doesn't but he does um yeah it's like um well afterlife was weird because ricky just like i'm sure you're right saying this phoned me up and said oh do you want to um do you want to be a postman in the cool new pack. thing I'm doing? Well, he didn't tell me that. He said, do you want to be a postman in the new thing I'm doing? I was like, yeah, all right. And then um, we had a chat and then, like, you know, six months later, we're doing Afterlife. And you don't know what anything, you don't know if anything's going to take off. And mm. and you can't really think about it, can you? Because you, you sort of wobble if you're sort of going, oh, this is going to be huge around the world. <laughs> and then, then it does and you go, oh, right, yeah, it's a strange thing to... I guess to be recognised and yeah, it's sort of it's been a I don't know it's a been a few years of it sort of happening. So mm. basically, sometimes you'll be chatting to someone, and then like ten minutes in, they sort of go, "Oh, I, uh, I, I saw you in this or whatever," and it doesn't it doesn't upset me. That's not what I mean, but it's just like, "Oh, oh," and then I sort of go, "Oh, have you been? Oh, have you been thinking about that? Oh, oh okay. Oh shit," and then I sort of what have I said? What are we, you know, I just thought mm. we were two sort of people in a cafe or something, you know, and then you go, Oh, so I forget. And I go, Oh, I hope I have given, you know, I hope it's been a normal conversation. You haven't been yeah, weirded yeah. out or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's I, funny. Cause like your, your work then, I mean, it, it's, it's going out there, isn't it? People that there's so many people that are going to see it. And yeah. it's a weird dynamic compared to most people's sort of line of work. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the, the truth is it is a sort of marker, I guess it's a sort of marker of of stuff going well. You can't, you're a liar if you don't say that. And even like now, it's people are generally really nice. It's, a good, yeah. it's good to know that, actually. Yeah. You know, like the press says we're all, the world's full of terrible people. I found there's a lot of nice people, really. Very much more nice people than nasty people. I guess for them it doesn't sell them the same way, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Most people come up and they go, oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. You go, well, you know, you seem very nice. Yeah. 
so yeah, ninety nine percent of people have been very kind. So I appreciate that. As as a creator and as a writer, what's it like being on set with Ricky? And can you take away learnings and his experiences? Because he just seems to me that's where he's at his strongest, where he's creating mm. those kind of shows. Yeah, I think I think the stuff I've learned has been sort of a few months later looking back. Because in the moment everything's quite hectic or whatever. Yeah. And then you sort of go, Oh, yeah, that's what he did there, wasn't it? He makes it a fun set. Mm. And like he's like laughs and I think subconsciously or consciously that's a way of freeing you up to to relax and mm. get more out of you. I think it's deliberate. So you guess you're more playful and he like, you know, he writes the scripts and everything, but he wants improvisation. He wants, you know, like he uses like people that he hopes will add stuff and, you know, Colin like Hull, David, David as an example. Yeah, yeah. Great David, example of Colin, yeah. Kerry, everyone mm. adds something, you know, which it wasn't there. And that happens more likely. Like David probably said to you, like, that's where he's mo most relaxed on set. And I probably agree. Any set, you know, you go, oh, Ricky's going to have, it's going to be fun and he's going to definitely at some point go, oh, forget all that. What, what should we do here? And and that's quite nice. And, it, you know, let's be honest, it's quite nice that he trusts you to sort of... Mm. That's stuff. a massive and compliment, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That, that... fact, they'll call you up and say, do you want to be... Oh, it's, it's know, yeah, I don't, role. I don't take it lightly at all. I think, you know, I, I say I do, especially to his face. <laughs> but like, um, no, I'm, I'm very aware that it's a, you know, nice very nice position to be in and stuff so um but yeah i think takeaway is always later when you're sort of thinking about what you're doing and sometimes how would ricky sort of approach that and you know, try and nick <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah. you go you know when he tells that story what did he do and you know in the office or the extras or whatever how did how did he tell the story so it worked best and why did it work best and that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah completely we mentioned uh, comedy characters at the beginning. Yes. Going back and thinking about influences growing up, who are the sort of, I mean, I think of like Ronnie Barker just being a genius. Well, and Ronnie Barker's my my go-to favourite comedy actor. Are we like open all hours or are we going porridge? Where are we going in? porridge, very yeah. much going porridge. Porridge was my... A nap off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was obsessed with porridge. I was still obsessed with porridge. I don't know how many, my like, I don't know how many times I've watched the the series and the and the film and uh, you know i i just think he's amazing I, like because i i met i met fletcher before i met ronnie barker you know what i mean like i met ronnie barker as the character in porridge mm. so like like ronnie barker felt like a character to me and fletch felt like the real ronnie barker because that's who i met and so when i saw him being quite I guess middle class and well to do yeah. and, and uh, quite shy actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is that a character? And then he was so brilliant at being different characters that it never felt like Ronnie Barker. If you know what I mean, it was like there's no That's way that man was. doesn't talk like that. It <laughs> doesn't yeah. have that mannerism or that way of holding himself or yeah. whatever. And then I was like, oh my God, there's a man wearing, I'm oh not, not pork pie hats, but what, whatever pork pie, posh pork pie hats are, you know, whatever. Yeah. whatever. And you're like, oh my God, he's what he's sort of, he's like, he looked like a, a sort of suburb gent, didn't he? You know yeah. what I mean? And I was yeah. like, oh wow. I thought it was amazing that he was doing porridge and open all hours more or less at the same sort of yeah, time. Yeah, 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 coming off one. And such, it? like, I mean, physically. Oh, and mad, isn't it? It's mental. Mad. Yeah. Like, as you say, two, could have been two different actors, really. 
yeah, he was the one. I, you know, I remember where I was when when he passed away and stuff. It was like because I, I I heard uh, I heard it on the news or whatever, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I remember I was at a ferry terminal and it was on the it was on the, like the cover of the newspaper. Oh really? Yeah, I just Man, remember that. It? So yeah, he was my he was my. Um, I didn't really realize he he wasn't as an he wasn't uh, like someone I looked up to because I didn't really aspire to be you know what i mean i was just in love with him you know what i mean i just loved him and wanted to watch him you know there was no sort of like how do i you know do anything comedy i was so i was lucky when you don't do comedy you can you, you when you if you haven't seen through the behind the curtain or whatever you just go god i love you know there was none of that what's he doing or how does he do it or any of that it was just like god he's funny he's brilliant yeah just wanted to i wanted five thousand of those episodes yeah not, you know not three series whatever. his timing was yeah it's unbelievable it's yeah. unbelievable like now i look at it and i go he's the sort of anti-hero he's a he's high status and funny it's hard to do that yeah. like like he's not a loser he's a winner in that environment and he's he's saying funny things he's not He's not being funny, he's quipping. But also it's that's really hard to do, I think. Very few people can do it where where it's like, oh, it's funny that he said that joke. That mm. usually is quite icky and stuff. Mm. You know, someone who who says funny things is, you know, is being witty. That's usually like eesh. Mm. But the way he did it and the writing, obviously Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenne. The writing was brilliant. That was Alchemy, really. That was, and all the other. Wonder, is, it, is it harder today in terms of making that kind of that sort of sitcom? And you know, there's there's Coogan is is probably a similar talent, but I think Ronnie Barker and Beckinsale and, and those guys, I think they're probably just sort of rare talents. I yeah. think it's like David Jason. Yeah. David Jason. They're like, I don't know if it's harder or easier when you know before or whatever i just think there's you know brilliant people are yeah. <laughs> are good at it yeah <laughs> and if you're, you're not as good as them it's not going to be as good and i think they're just rare talents i think and and so many in one shows just that's bonkers really like it, it was, it was... was oh yeah it's just we he... had Brian Cox on, and his mentor, I think, was Fulton McCoy. Oh, you're kidding me! Yeah, and he was talking about his experiences. That's made my, made my heart go funny. That did. I was like, so he knew Fulton McCoy. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I, I wish I'm going to go and listen to that one because I heard that Fulton McCoy had to be stopped from rehearsing. The over. Well, he yeah. just wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop <laughs> if you gave him twenty minutes to rehearse the scene or twenty hours. He'd fill it with rehearsal because <laughs> yeah. he was so exact on what he did. You know the the chin movements and Fletcher. when yeah. I do them, yeah, <laughs> very good. And so that's fascinating. You know what I mean? They go, oh, "That's how he did it. He was just literally. I'm going to put my weight on my left heel there, stamp your foot, and all that kind of stuff." Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, "I love all that. I love all the behind the, you know, finding out yeah. how how it all worked." And they were just they were just people. I know, but my word. Be amazing knowing him. Yeah, it was cool talking about that. Yeah, it yeah. was like the influence it has on you growing up, and then meeting people that have been in the room with those people and yeah, I, worked around them. And, yeah. I was in a, I was in the old BBC. That 
blew my mind at the time as well anyway because i was like oh my god this is where blue peter was on top of <laughs> and uh i got taken into this lift to go up to have a meeting that would eventually go nowhere like most meetings <laughs> like I, I didn't really know what a meeting was you sort of they go do you want to come in for a meeting and i'd go absolutely why not <laughs> and they go what ideas you got and i go i did not know i was meant to bring ideas so i was going to one of those <laughs> And I was in the lift and the person who was taking me up said, oh, uh, I spoke to, I spoke to Ronnie Barker in this lift once. And I just sort of looked around the lift going, so where was he stood? <laughs> and he was like, oh, I think he was here. I was like, and I was like, so I was just, I was just like, I was like looking at the lift yeah. like it was a, a famous, I don't know, like it was the TARDIS. I don't know. I was just looking at it differently. It'd gone from being a lift to a lift that had held yeah ronnie barker seven years earlier you know or, it's, it's or, a... or even like you with uh bobby ball right oh that's crazy. i mean that's crazy to be a fan of his and then actually be acting alongside him and on oh. your own show i mean that's oh D diane tapped me on the shoulder in the middle of filming cotfields and she said imagine if someone had told you at 11 point to the 10 and go gonna be mates with him one day because <laughs> i felt like, like oh, you work with some people and you get on with them but I felt like oh, terrible things. So I'm sure it's okay. So, but I felt like we hit it off. Like yeah, we, like yeah. me and uh, Ben and David and and Diane and everyone, we we hit it off with it. You know what I mean? Mm. He, like, I think he liked it. You know, like he he was fun. But I also felt like we sort of connected and yeah. stuff. And and that meant a lot. And uh, and I did feel like I was friends with him. You know what I mean? And that blew my mind. And I never really, never really got over it, but I did get over it because I was like, oh, he's my friend. So I also want to be normal around him. Mm. So I sort of forced myself to, but I didn't really ever get over it. And then um, it was interesting meeting Bobby because I heard a different podcast, which is a similar thing where you go, you meet him, you go, oh, I get it. I get why you are and were one of the biggest stars like couldn't turn it off funny like he could do dramatic and everything but, but like just being i just sort of giggle at him kind of walking past you know like i don't know go <laughs> like squeezing through a gap in you know he'd sort of <laughs> do some sort of weird shimmy and it, it'd be like well that's, that's not, what's that it's funnier than <laughs> yeah. anything we could write he's just sort of shimmying through or <laughs> it looked like there's a scene where i watched it after he passed away because it I don't know why I went to that. Let's see. But he looks me up and down and he looks me up and down the scene and sort of just <laughs> rolls his eyes and walks off. And it's, that's not in the script. It's sort of the punchline to mm. the bit. And it's oh, just so talented, so funny, so lovely as well. And yeah. And just, funny bones. Yeah. Funny bones. So yeah, we, when we found out he passed away, it was actually, I was in, I was in the Isle of Wight where, where we were filming at the time. When we found out so that was really sad came out of nowhere it was a bit of a yeah very sad what a talent talking of um i guess that, that that thing of dining up i remember speaking to alan carr once and um he's in his dressing room and he was like oh hello love and then it's like we went down into the studio and then he you could just see like just 20 percent. he'd just dialed it up enough mm. and then suddenly that guy you have on tv yeah not different to the guy behind the scenes but just a smidgen yeah yeah take... is that when you're doing those sort of shows like a countdown or a cats do you are you aware of that is that something that yeah, you it's purposely yeah it's a chat like i like i'm not me on anything really 
Like I'm not actually, you know, like <laughs> yeah. like this is me. This is me, you know. Like we got the real Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like none of it's real. Like I don't talk about real things. Like talking to Roisin about stuff. It's like it's all ba- like like Roisin's really funny, but she's also very bright, very intuitive, very can see things that I can't see mm. in life and love and all sorts of things. And then that's where she sort of pulls her her humour from and, and stuff and what she talks about. And I just go, oh, God, I'm an idiot. I'm so thick. I just go, oh, that's, uh, I don't know, tangerines are funny or whatever. And, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no, like, mine's very veneer, you know, very thin. thin <laughs> there's a very thin layer to mine and there's all these layers to sort of why, she, you know, she talks about having to kind of process something first before she can talk about it. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know, Derrity Triangles are funny. You know, like, it's so, <laughs> so pathetic. <laughs> but, like, so mine's all made up. I literally just go, like, I've created this sort of monster that I sort of play, you know, like a, a tramp sort of thing that I play. And I, and, I, and then I go, it'd be funny if he if he has done that or he thinks that. And, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just literally that thin, basically. <laughs> And uh, that's what I do, you know, that's what I, I enjoy doing. And uh, But then it's really interesting, someone like Roisin, who's like got all this sort of... That different process. But... ...depth to it. And, mm. I, you know, and I'm not saying it's a negative mind, I'm sort of joking it's a negative, but that's that's her her thing, yeah. and mine's just... I think that's funny. When I'm doing that kind of st- stuff, you know, like on Countdown and stuff, it's just like... My friend Jarlith Regan sort of summed it up. Like, it's like the thing I do on it is like... It's like I'm doing observational sort of stuff that no one will ever get. You know, like McIntyre goes, oh, my God, that's how I put the Christmas lights mm. up or or whatever. Like, he goes, you're, you're sort of doing that, but no one's ever thought that or felt that or whatever. So it's kind of that, really. It's just sort of like bad observational <laughs> stuff because I'm not relatable because I'm an odd person. No, I, f- I find that particularly with you and David, there's a sense of your comedy. I don't know if anyone said this to you before, but it's almost like if I can picture a local person in that sort of, that, that story. There's somebody that, that I, right, right. I can just see that in, right, the, in your right. storytelling. I think there's, right. a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gift to that. Oh, right. Um, well, it's it's, yeah. it's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone has different... Uh, I think it's Jeff Ross, the, um, known for his, like, the roasts in America. Oh, the American guy. Yeah, yeah I don't really he, know him. He was saying, like, he scripts a lot, but he comes out with these one-liners, he burns you, and right. then somebody, um, who I mentioned on the podcast before, Don Rickles, has all these oh, yeah. different put-downs, and it's... He was saying the two of them were together in this environment, and he was taking the mick out of him for scripting so much, and he just said, the guy tore me apart. I mean, he just, he just had it all up there. It was all right, there. Right, right, right. So everyone's different in terms yeah, of how they, yeah, yeah. you know. I think that's what makes you kind of in, enjoy people that are a lot different to you as well, though. Yeah. You just go, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> Not even a try. <laughs> yeah. But like it takes away some pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll stick to my thin little lane. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you one more question, uh, plot twist question. Of course. On a person. I mean, you mentioned a lot of people that have clearly had a big influence, but is there someone that has perhaps been unexpectedly a source of inspiration or friendship that has guided you in work personally? Well, my brother got me into comedy. That I've, I've probably never said that like out. I, I'm sure he knows, but like he was like, this is the best stuff on telly. You know, like we, mm. we're we going to watch it. Because we, we, we shared a bedroom and we had like a, 
No, I mean, like, when we were, like, teenagers, we yeah. ended up having separate rooms, but when we were really little. And so when we, we got, like, a second telly, which was, like, like a grey portable telly, so it was like we were making the decisions of what we watch, mm. basically. And he's the eldest, so he obviously chose. So I still wasn't choosing. But he made the decision that comedy is the best stuff to watch and this is the best stuff to watch. And it was all... He still got really good taste in comedy. Like, he's just not... You know, because he's, he's better than me, he doesn't want to do it because he's a better human, basically. Cause he's, and uh, <laughs> doesn't feel the need <laughs> to inflict people. But he, he's got really good taste. And so I was sort of, you know, when you hear like like musicians say, oh, they grew up with their parents listening to Dylan and mm. or whatever, and that's what they heard. So they were kind of, they weren't just listening to Heart FM, which I love, by the way, I'm a, big heart fm guy and uh and so i had i was sort of my first comedy stuff was really good that i was like watching because he was going no no this is really good and you should watch this and and so i was just following him basically so but he did also make me support gillingham so with one hand, every cloud yeah, yeah with one hand he yeah. took and the other well Southampton over here so it's oh, like, I, yeah. oh sorry yeah. yeah basically my brother was the reason i had uh quality comedy put in front of me so i say him and someone like diane morgan for i love that she's getting the credit she deserves now it feels oh yeah like yeah now she's, she's, always, she's, a... she's always been brilliant yeah. but she because of her i guess i could learn like other things like like i'm sure she wouldn't even say acting but like i'd want to do is acting but like i learned like we did sketch stuff together and it was like she'd been to drama school and she'd done acting and stuff. And and so, like, I got a bit of a speedy class. What do you call them? You know, driving, when you learn to drive in a week. What's that called? You know, Fast like, track sort of thing. Fast track yeah, yeah. kind of stuff to learn. <laughs> speedy to, thing. You know, well, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure it's called something like that yeah. anyway. Um, but, like, so she kind of gave me that, like oh no when when you when you when you at you know like you have to commit and talk me about like like not doing something half assed mm. when you're sort of because we were doing sketches together and it was like I sort of learned you might as well go down in a blaze of glory and then that kind of ended up influencing everything I did I guess I became a bit more bold you know what I mean like learn not because I I used to just sort of say short things because I, I i lived in fear of it all so i just wanted to say something short get it and out. then it would be over and i didn't move or so she sort of taught me to like go down in a blaze of glory sort of thing and and i've been doing that really quite embarrassingly ever since <laughs> um so stuff like that where you go oh yeah that did that did change everything that did make me go oh right actually i feel better i feel less of a prat doing it that way than I did trying to hide, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I might as well go, oh, I gave it a go, didn't I? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Did it on my terms. Died on my terms. So, yeah, learnt to die with a bit more dignity. I love that word, Pratt. Pratt. <laughs> I called that a lot. I think so. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a thank, pleasure. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really... Um, really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's, it's odd talking about yourself. It's um, Reminisce a bit. Yeah. 
I do feel a bit of a prat talking to this. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Cheers, Joe. No, thanks for having me. there we have it joe wilkinson now that's how you spend an afternoon with one of the most unique figures in british comedy in sunny brighton can't complain with that loved it he was gentle he was witty super humble and i really the general theme throughout was how he was so willing to give props to others whether it was directly in relation to him and his career or even just more broadly from a distance. He always wanted to recognize others. That was something that was a consistent theme that I really valued actually. And in fact, the only part of the interview that was negative was if he was being self-deprecating about himself in a jokey manner. Otherwise it was very gentle and uplifting. There was something really nice about that. I also really enjoyed the conversation around influences and then working with them. We had that last week with Letitia Wright talking about watching Angela Bassett and then years later working with her it's quite incredible and for Joe having that as well with like Bobby Ball having such a big influence at a young age and clearly being so taken in by Bobby's comedy to then casting him and becoming friends with him in the Cockfields it's something really quite lovely about that and even what he was saying about Sean Locke like the barometer of, of comedy would Sean find this funny I thought that's that's a pretty unique way of looking at it. It's, that sets a good standard for yourself. You know, would Sean not find this funny? Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I loved it. And like I said before, I didn't quite know what I might get. Would I get a version of Joe or the character that we've seen on Cats or Countdown? And actually, it was just a really honest, genuine conversation and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you want more of Joe Wilkinson, his sitcom, The Cockfields, and Rovers, both of which he's worked with David Earl on, both available on Sky and now. Go and check it out if you want more of him. And obviously, go on to YouTube. Go ahead and see those clips of 8 out of 10 Cats and Cats Does Countdown. If you need something that's a bit cringe, but also just absolutely hilarious, you're guaranteed to find it there. So that was the latest leg of the Plot Twist comedy tour. But who will be next? You'll have to find out. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>